around for 40 plus. Gay men, what's my purpose? Where size doesn't matter. My relationship, get over our screwed up fears, make pile moves. I'll never find life without a other Don't forget to join us on Facebook. Hey, 40 plus. It's time to get a great talk. Stop the conversation. Make a bold move and do something amazing with your 40 plus gay life. Let's get to the show with your tell it like it is host, Rick Clemens, who does his best to never act like a dick or a diva unless you act like one first. So as a gay man, sometimes you're like, oh, I feel super challenged or I don't feel inspired to go do the things I most want to do. And then you get stuck in your own stuff, whether it's around work, relationships, whatever it might be. But what if you could get in a perpetual kind of space of change, so to speak, or really enjoy the thrive of being in change rather than, oh my gosh, I'm a victim to this change. Well, that's where we're kind of going to go today. I've got a guy who's written a book that I think most of you guys might just want to read. It's called A Gay Man's Guide to Life. His name is Britt East, and we connected through social media like we tend to do these days. And I'm just really thrilled to have him come talk like gay guy to gay guy, two authors, and talk about, hey, how do we see the world as gay men? And I hope to God you guys will enjoy this. So, Britt, welcome to the podcast, man. Glad to have you here. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here with you. I know, but let's not lie. It's early on the Pacific Coast, so we're both like, okay, 9 o'clock on a Monday morning recording this. Uh, (laughs) But it's all good, man. So, um, But um, again, thanks for being here. Loving this. I'm so glad we connect. I can't remember if we connected through Twitter or, I don't know, somewhere online. And um, then I saw the book. I'm like, yes, this is, yeah, this is something that could be really good. So what inspired you to like... I need to I need to put this book out in the world. The book is a love letter um, to gay men, and um, it was born out of my pain, heartache, desperation. Mm-hmm. Frankly, it's a lot for a Monday morning, I know, but you know that's where change often originates. And and for me, it's like um, based on the way I was raised or wasn't raised, based on you know all I experienced growing up. Like a lot of us over forty gay guys is. Um, you know, I made a lot of mistakes and it felt like I had to do everything wrong at least once. And it's not twice or three times. So, (laughs) and so the book is just a way to like give people some shortcuts in life. So you can learn from my mistakes. Mm -hmm. It's like a half memoir, half life manual, Mm -hmm. um, covers a wide range of topics, every facet of life, really, you know, um, body image to love to sex to managing your career and your finances spirituality service work and it's uh, to shore up the gaps that you may have um, had along the way through either not being raised properly not having you know even you know look even if you had open loving affirming parents most of us gay guys are born to straight families and so they're completely unequipped to transmit the cultural knowledge we need to navigate Mm. this society where we're just inundated with straight supremacy and prejudice and bigotry at every angle. And so, you know, the, the, a lot of us have gaps in our knowledge and wisdom. And so this book is kind of like kitchen table wisdom, sitting down with your elder brother or uncle or something, telling it like it is giving you the real unvarnished truth. And so you can skip around from topic to topic, just based on where you need shoring up in your life today, based on what you want to focus on today, and hopefully gain some insight, wisdom, experience, strength and hope. Mm, I love it. I love it. And I, I you were, all, you're also a fellow podcaster. So I always love it when I get to have somebody like that on the show, because <laughs> 
you've had lots of different guests on your show. I've had lots of different guests on my show. And what I found is every time we get to go into these spaces, I sometimes I think, okay, I think I've covered everything. And then suddenly, <laughs> nope, there it is. You know, yeah. there's something completely different. So um, I know for me, similar thing. I'm like, I'm not trying to say I'm the guru of all this, but I feel like if I can help even one person, I know that's the trite conversation sort of mm -hmm. thing. We say, oh, if I can just help one person. But it is amazing that the people that one episode or one part of a book can touch and it starts to change their world. And there's so many things I wish I would have had as I came out of the closet and stepped into my gay world of doing it. Number one, just doing my gay life my way. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things I see in our community is sometimes it's like, no, this is how you do gay and this yeah. is how you're supposed to be. And this, you know, and, and, um, I, my husband and I were actually in LA over the weekend and saw a couple of um, shows and we saw Jagged Little Pill. And it's always interesting to go to LA because if you go to the Pantages Theater, it's because it's so close to Hollywood and West Hollywood, mm -hmm. you see a lot more, you know, LGBTQ folks. Mm -hmm. Amundsen Theater, yes, you see them, but it's just always interesting. And I caught myself yesterday, like doing the whole judgy, judgy, like, what the fuck is that outfit? You know? <laughs> And it's like, oh, my gosh. And I'm like, shut up, Rick. Stop, stop, stop. You know, <laughs> but when you find yourself in this space of I know I found it in my book as I was writing my book, I'm like, OK, well, try not to come off judgy. But how do you find that balance to like not judge, but like share? Here's what I've learned. I think that was one of the things I really struggled with. What about you? Yeah, it's like, um, you know, it, what I want gay guys to do first is to get real. Mm -hmm. And so that involves some judgment turned inward, but it has to be tempered with the light of love and the um and a humble sense of humor. Otherwise it becomes just another way to um you know self-flagellate, beat ourselves, shame ourselves and that you know shame is not a change agent. Right. And so separating the difference between guilt and shame and figuring out, okay, what have I truly experienced in my life? What have I truly done and achieved? Where do what do I need to own? Where do I need to maybe clean up some messes, make some apologies, offer some amends, maybe make some living amends, um, so that I can have a clean slate to serve as my springboard um, from which I can then jump into life. Mm -hmm. Yep, I love that. And I think a lot of gay men kind of stand there like they're on the springboard, but they're not taking the leaps. You know, I know right now a lot of my clients, it's like, well, I really want to change what I'm doing in my work. I really want I'm like, I finally into the point where I'm like, shut the fuck up and just do something, please. You know, like, let's do it. But it's not that easy. I mean, that's the thing that I've learned that these changes are not like poof. I, I mean, I. Honestly, I wish I had the gay magic wand. Like, okay, here we go. Poof, it's all done, right? But um, when you're working with guys and you find that like resistance to the change or that like angst in change, what's one of the pieces of guidance or several pieces of guidance you start to work with guys on? Because change is not, there's nobody, I don't think anybody's going to say change is easy. And if they do, I think they're lying. Yeah, no. And and especially like I was uh, alluding to earlier, it's not like we're doing this work in a vacuum. Every mm. day we are subsumed with straight supremacy. We're swimming in this cauldron of bias and bigotry and prejudice. We're participating in it. I mean, 
as gay men were out there making homophobic choices every day. So of course, straight people are. And so what I try to help people do in my writing is to attune them to the harm they've experienced Mm. so that they can then reckon with their reality, cultivate a sense of curiosity and empathy and humility, and then figure out what they stand for, who they truly, truly are, and then go out into the world and be it, express it push their life force, their personality into the world, take up space, even if it's in straight spaces, take up space as a queer person, as a gay man, whatever your identity, be yourself, and then go follow that energy. Mm -hmm. But I love that you use the the words take up space, because I feel like if we don't take up the space we're meant to be here in the planet, then we're doing ourselves a disservice and we're doing others a disservice. Now that doesn't mean go be an asshole, but maybe sometimes you have to, I'm in yeah. one of those moods today. I'm like, okay, I'm <laughs> going to have to be an ass a little bit today on some things. And I don't like it, but that's the only way I think I'm going to get some stuff done here. But um, I know one of the things that I have struggled with and currently I'm struggling with was like, is letting go of some things from the past that continue to just do harm and damage to me. And it's easy for me to be the coach and like, come on, you know, why can't you? And then I turn around like, well, screw you, Rick. You're, you're not doing that yourself, man. So if you were coaching me and I don't want to turn this into a whole coaching session, but it's like, I know in my head, let it go. But you said something that was really interesting. Like there's something underneath this that I can't let go. And I know if I was coaching myself, I'm like, let's dig deeper, right? But this is something I think most gay men struggle with because we we can't let things go or we haven't like released enough to go, okay, now I go stand in myself. So I'm curious where you'd take that given that I kind of just set you up like, here, we're going to do some coaching. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's the thing. I mean, I'm not a coach. I, I So I have the pleasure of just like sending out these love. Right, right. Exactly. And, then, and that's why and, I asked that. And then running from the shrapnel. But I've been around enough coaches to know that the work never stops. We're, we're continuously unfolding. And what I've observed among gay men, um, especially if we're um, straight, white, cis gay men, we have so much proximal or sorry, if we're gay, white, cis men, we have so much proximal power um, that we sometimes think that, um, you know, we uh, are the old saying is scrambling for crumbs from the table of joy. So we're so close to having that seat at the table that we are willing to overlook a lot of pain and heartache in our lives. And so when you find yourself knowing, um, struggling to connect the dots between what you intellectually know and what you somatically in your body experience, I would encourage you to be with whatever arises. So for instance, um, you were talking about um, going deeper. I would encourage you to sit with it, to breathe with it, to call it forth so that you can really experience it and then love it. And I think that's where the alchemy and transformation arises. When you can cultivate that space of noble silence, Mm -hmm. such that you can truly call forth what needs to be called, however 
much pain, sorrow, and heartache that involves. And then you, then you are, um, and you are unafraid. You you manifest the courage and bravery to dwell with those sensations in your body: the shortness of breath, the desire to twitch and itch, and the the cramping that that happens in your body as these um, these energies come forward. As you can cultivate that courage to simply reside in that space, and then even embrace it further to go deeper. What I would suggest with you suggest to you is that over time, that um, that energy will soften and inevitably release, and that is where love will flower. Now, this is pretty new agey, and I'm not wow. actually a very new agey guy. Mm -hmm. the The reason that I talk this way is because this is what I have experienced in in my life. I'm actually really pragmatic and practical and the book is very straightforward. Mm -hmm. So it's like, to me, I just want to do whatever works. Mm -hmm. This is what has worked for me. There's something about the stillness, the quiet, the curiosity, the wonder, the cultivating, and then the embracing, the love, and then the release, that cycle. That's powerful. And it's interesting that you, you brought up the silence because as I've been like, going through this once again, I like, okay, I'm just driving myself batty. I'm like, okay, then just be still with it. I mean, I know where it's emanating from and there's some wounding that it's emanating from that I'm like, okay, I just, you know, and I finally with the people that I'm having this issue with, I finally said, you know, I have to just come be my honest self. This is where you're hurting me right now. And I need to just share that with you. I'm not asking you to necessarily fix it but this is what's happening and we've been at this juncture numerous times and i just need you to hear me again and i don't feel like i'm being heard and now that i've said what i've said that's where i'm at but i didn't get there until i like calmed down and like okay stop 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 you know because i was just like furious there for a while and it's not a good thing to be furious when you're driving on freeways in LA. <laughs> but there's shit, so right? much, there's so much beauty in what you described. And like you, you noted the stillness, but also the honesty, mm -hmm. the courage to recognize that the relationship can hold the level of honesty required to um, own where you are, that, that, that you can afford the vulnerable heart space to wade into that relationship and expose your tender heart mm -hmm. um, and recognize behavior patterns without placing blame or shame. A lot of gay guys are stuck in a Band-Aid mentality mm -hmm. where instead of working on um, the issue directly or even giving themselves the opportunity of booster shots to bolster their spirit, their body, their awareness, they're slapping on Band-Aids um, you know, doing another line of cocaine or drinking another drink or having more um, sex in a corrosive way that does not honor their heart. Um, whatever that Band-Aid might be, overwork is another one I see a lot mm -hmm. in our community. Whatever that Band-Aid might be, numbing out to, to Netflix, we, we often find ourselves in these patterns of dissociation that dishonor our realities. And then, of course, then distance ourselves from our hearts. And that's where, that's what I'm trying to do in my work is to sear 
to to offer these searing truths that mm-hmm. break away, that penetrate, that pierce these layers of defenses, these mm-hmm. mechanisms in these guys, that they then just completely collapse in such a way that they can then be reborn and rebuilt in their more noble selves. So I find it interesting that you say you're not a coach, you just write this stuff and then kind of write it and run, so to speak. <laughs> but yet, just listening to you speak, number one, and then having read some of the book too, you are a coach in a very interesting way because not everybody's going to be, not everybody's going to be wanting to sit and work with a coach. It's like not everybody's going to want to sit and work with a therapist. And what I love about all these different ways, whether it's a therapist or me, a coach, I have good, you know, uh, we have a mutual friend, Travis, um, that I just like, okay, each of us does this differently. I want this to be available to gay men. Well, I'd like to anyone, but because our world is the gay men to where, wherever we can meet them at is exactly where we meet them. And if that, if a book helps them heal, great. If your words in an article help them heal, awesome. If hearing this on the podcast is the only thing that helps that person, that's even, you know, whatever it is that we can meet them in their space and hold that space for them in the way that best suits them. And I often find that gay men, if they'd let, if they'd let the mask down, would just say, yes, I realize I want, I want support. I don't like to call it help per se, but support in this, but I don't fit into a certain mold, then I encourage them, go find the mold where it fits then. What's going to work for you? And I think that's the power of getting to do any of this work, whether it's writing books or coaching or podcast, any of this sort of stuff. So as you've interviewed people on the podcast, what's been something that you feel like was like a moment with, you know, talking about gay men stuff that I'm sure there's many, (laughs) but like, you just felt like, okay, I'm saying some stuff here that I I feel like, wow, I'm hitting it. This is something really big for guys that they could take and run with. Yeah. I mean, like you said, I love the idea that there is a community of um, like-minded, like-hearted gay men out there that are creating the safety net that will meet all of us where we need to be so that we're surrounded. It's like we cannot fail because between all of us, we're surrounding the community. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on the podcast, I think the 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 biggest um thing for me was um my co-host is uh bisexual and I realized in um, um, we've done a couple of podcasts around bisexuality, a couple of episodes. And the first one we did near the very beginning was surfacing some of the antipathy and the animosity between gay men and bisexual men. And I realized how few gay men have ever met an openly Mm -hmm. bisexual man Um, and how um distrustful they were of the community it ran even deeper than i realized and there's all sorts of sociological reasons behind that that are that we can trace um back to straight supremacy um and um you know so i think surfacing that in a way that i felt hopefully brought the communities a little bit closer um, in the same way that we've done some episodes around gay racism, mm-hmm. um, there's so much racism in the in the gay community, especially among 
um, gay cis men, like I said, we're, we, we sit near the apex of societal privilege, even with all the harm that we've experienced. And unfortunately, a lot of us um, have weaponized that harm and turned it outward to um, people of color and especially queer people of color. Um, you know, something similar with gay misogyny and trans people, trans women in particular, particular, we have a long history of violence as gay men to trans women. And so in the book and the podcast, I try to hit this head on speaking our language, um, using our cultural and historical frames of reference um, so we can get to the heart of the matter quickly and address what's really going on beneath the surface so that hopefully we as communities can heal. You really struck some chords there with me because when I, so I came out later in life and most of my listeners know that, but I came out earlier too. I came out when I was 19 and then went back in the closet due to pressure from family and church and the typical line of bullshit um, until I finally said enough is enough. And I thought, okay, well, now I'm finally out. And I had some of the most horrible guttural reactions to different facets of the community. I did not get the leather community. I did not get the BDSM. I did not get the open relationship thing, even though I was having an open relationship with my ex-wife that it's like it was happening. And then, you know, I was like, okay. And, and so again, some really deep shit I was going through in my own world around this. And I remember the first time I uh, ever saw like some sisters of perpetual indulgence. I'm like, what the fuck is this? I mean, my God, can we just be gay and be done with it already? Right. And then I realized how deep my own journey had to go to be accepting and to start to see it. And then I interviewed a sister of perpetual indulgence. And I also did some men's retreats up in your area of the world, up in Washington with some gay men out on Whidbey Island. And most of the guys were from the leather community. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be interesting for me to, and they're just amazing men, you know, it's like, okay, that's just something they're into, you know? And I found my heart begin to open and continue to open. And there's still parts of our community. I'm like, I don't get it, but Hey, if that's your thing, that's your thing. Right. But it was a really hard journey. And sometimes it still can be a hard journey because I just, you know, I'm a man of a certain age. So it's like, why the fuck can't we just be this way? Right. What's the challenge that you feel like you've faced in like owning where you are as a gay man now versus where you were, say, 15, 20 years ago? Because that's been a biggie for me, not just like aging. I mean, aging doesn't bug me really, but. It's more like how I see the world has been like, ooh, I got to like, I got to like adjust the thoughts sometimes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I love your sense of curiosity and willingness to go through that. Um, you know, I think a lot of us as gay men um, just stay stuck and are real content, again, especially if we're cis and white, to just um, kind of sit in our privilege and mm -hmm. be incurious and, you um, know, leverage whatever power we have. Um, and um, it takes a lot of courage to resist the daily messages from straight supremacy and society that we're just inundated with. 
And that's where I continuously put the blame. And so each day we have to work to resist that. And there's all sorts of indirect procedures that we have. For instance, holding hands with our loved one, mm. our loved ones in public. Yep. Um, innocuous, tenderhearted, simple public displays of affection. Mm-hmm. Telling the truth about our weekend mm. and our families yeah. and our friends and our lives little by little as our integrity affords and as the container of the situation dictates. Um, For me, what I have realized, I don't think I've ever talked about this before. Um, What I've realized is that's part of my Dharma is um, that I find myself over and over again in straight spaces. Mm. And I felt so ashamed about it. Here I am on the front lines of queer resistance work, gay rights work, continuously trying everything I can to connect the communities together. And I, for the life of me, can't understand why I manifest relationships in the straight sphere. Um, And... So I felt a lot of shame about that. And I think only in the last few years have I seen the beauty that I am part of the magic, the mystery that I contain is that for some reason, I, uh, straight guys feel safe around me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, um, who knows why? I have theories, but who really knows why? And they feel safe to feel to summon the breadth of their human design and desire that is normally um, uh, violently uh, opposed in society. And so um, I'm married and I'm monogamous, so it's not that I'm falling into bed with these guys, but for some reason, there is a magnetism um, you know, um, where they feel safe around me and maybe it's my gentleness, maybe it's my, what some might call my effeminacy, um, um, that they feel safe with me, that they can feel a fuller breadth of their heart and their heart's desire, even if it's non-sexual, non-romantic, just the brotherhood of men that is anathema to the man box culture in which we find ourselves where we must cut ourselves off from our male feelings. Mm -hmm. That's a huge piece is when we feel like we have to cut ourselves off, whether it's our masculinity or our male feelings, or even just feelings in general. Uh, I see so many people in the world, but especially when I get in like a, a circle of gay men that the boxed, like, I can't show that feeling, you know, and I can't connect. And how do I connect when I, feel that need to like want to share but then again it goes back to the wounding i mean we were told man up be a don't be a pussy you know blah 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 you know you're so you're so effem whatever it is i mean even just the fact of well why can't you do that better you know when it came to sports i'm like because i don't want to freaking do it better that's why (laughs) i don't really care i mean my god i didn't say i want to play baseball you did (laughs) <laughs> so, um, you know, but it, it is interesting, but I find what you just shared really powerful because when we allow ourselves 
to step into a space that's vulnerable. So a little Brene Brown here, but that vulnerability piece. And we do it again. And then we do it again. We do it again. We're so obsessed with being in, you know, wonderful shape as gay men and, and you know, and I'm being body conscious. I'm not knocking any of that. I mean, each for each of us, it's our own difference. But yeah, sometimes we won't go do the muscle work of like the mental stuff. And then we wonder why we can't go there. You know, it's, it's exactly. Really yeah. It's such a fascinating thing to, to witness, you know? And then suddenly when somebody finally, I mean, it was interesting yesterday, again, I'm going to go back to being in LA at the theater and there was a couple in front of us, a heterosexual couple. And before the show started, they sat down and they were just all huggy, huggy, kissy, kiss. like they, okay. They like, yeah, please go get a room. Not that I care that you're kissing, but my God, it was like the longest kiss I've seen any couple do in public in a long time. And I, of course, in my head, I'm going, so I wonder what would, and I think they were definitely, they just, they had that air that they were probably like, Hey, love is love no matter what. Right. But I thought myself going into that weird space of going, well, how, how would they like it if I was doing that with my husband? And then I immediately pulled back like, but I wouldn't do that with my husband to, well, not to that degree. And then we got to the halfway point in the show and we went to intermission and we came back and it was Jagged Little Pills, what we were seeing yesterday. <clears throat> so very charged, very, you know, the music and everything. And the, the emotions were like, I was like an emotional mess in that show. And uh, of course, it's partly to do with what's going on right now in my world, too. And I put when we sat back down, I put my arm around my husband and I was holding his hand and I'm like, OK, so I'm going to be vulnerable here. Of course, it's dark, so who can really see? But obviously, the people behind me knew I had my arm around my husband like I was holding him. Right. I was actually holding on for dear life because I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to explode here momentarily. But uh, it was just so interesting to see myself go, okay, be vulnerable. Go be vulnerable. And did anything happen? No, nothing happened, Rick. Nothing happened. And I think part of what I've seen in the way you write and the way you put things out there, it is that's like step in, as Renee Brown would say, to step into the arena. Exactly, exactly. It takes practice like you so beautifully framed and we shouldn't wonder why we can't step up to the plate and hit a home run the first swing out of the gate if we've never been in the batting cage to, oh, like to we continue. Be, think we're a rock star porn star in bed the yeah. first time we have sex with the guys like if you've never done it oh my god right and 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 let's cut ourselves some slack there's mm. we're surrounded by messages all day long around why it's not safe to put your arm around your husband yep. in a dark theater yep exactly <laughs> you know what could be more innocuous than that and that and yet i suspect all of us on this show over 40 gay men and um those of us that are in the audience that are over 40 gay men have been so um, indoctrinated with these messages that we cannot help but feel a little pit of fear appear in our stomach and, and in our hearts as we as we go to do that. And that's mm -hmm. why it's so important to find these low stakes venues in which mm -hmm. we can practice. Yours was a perfect scenario, right. so low stakes. Right. And, and yet you can then learn to train your nervous system to sit with the sensations you experience as you do that, as you hold the pose as you dwell in that vulnerable state that you referenced. And then over time, 
you will build your sense of resilience mm -hmm. and you'll take more and more healthy, safe risks. And eventually something will happen. Right. Something, somebody will say something, somebody will give you a look that you interpret, but your resilience will be so high that you don't crumble. You're able to rise to meet the moment. But don't you think that's part of it too for us as gay men is that resilience muscle hasn't been worked. In, I mean, yes. yes. Okay. If you come out of the closet, there's some resilience there, but depending on your journey out of the closet, which I, I say, we, we never stop coming out. We never do. I mean, that moment yesterday in the theater, I mean, I didn't know, exactly. that either. you know, I was coming out right there in that moment, but resilience seems to be something that again, I think we as gay men oftentimes struggle with because I know it makes me feel like here I go again. I'm the little, I'm the little boy mm -hmm. right back to being a little boy. That's like being taunted. But every time I step up to the plate, I'm like, okay, <laughs> maybe I didn't hit the ball as far as it hit, but I, I hit the ball in my life. Like, okay, I stepped up to the plate. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely. something we miss often is like stepping into the plate. Absolutely. And it's built brick by brick. Mm -hmm. um, resilience is highly contextual. So okay. just because you put your arm around your husband once in a dark theater doesn't mean you're going to eradicate all of your internalized homophobia in each sphere of your life. Right. It right. takes a holistic practice. And one of the things I encourage in my book is to take a really, to broaden out. This is a very specific contextualized example, but if we broaden out and we build a sense of body, mind, and spirit and attune ourself attune attuned to how the energy flows through each of those spheres and all facets of our life then we get more adept we mm. build our skill in sitting through these situations in silence allowing the sensations to flow through our body the thrill of having my arm around my husband for the first time, the thrill for grabbing him sexually in public for the first time or holding his hand or giving him a kiss, a peck on the cheek or a deep kiss where we're being witnessed. Whatever that thrill is, we build our muscle through that day or maybe not daily, but that continual practice. But we can work indirectly. We can learn how to sit with all sorts of sensations in our body whether we're being courageous in our careers, whether we, if we are, you know, um, exercising our body throughout the day, if we're being mindful with what we eat and what we drink, if we're consciously connecting to our spirit, if we're stimulating our intellect, all of this work goes together. There's no separation here. Mm -hmm. All of it, all of it stimulates the mind and the heart. And then we can take that expertise and funnel it into these highly contextualized specific scenarios like you described so that we don't crumble and fade when we first experience that adrenaline rush, that sense of fear, that sense of thrill as our armors around our husband, we can hold the posture for as long as it requires. You know, it was interesting after this whole thing went down yesterday. Of course, I'm like, okay, I'm sitting in jagged little pill. The storyline is so all over the place. And there was the, you know, the drug addiction. There's the, I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but, you know, drug addiction. There's like bisexual relationship stuff going on. There's definitely transgender characters. I'm just like, okay. So most people who are sitting in this theater are going to be like, we know why we're here, right? <laughs> Signs that get show, held up in the show and everything. And then, of course, we walk out of the theater and we're starting to walk towards the car. And, of course, there just happened to be like a younger gay couple like right ahead of us. They walk out holding hands and, oh, my God, I love you so much. And they're like, I'm like, OK, well, 
<laughs> there we go. Lesson learned. You know, they're just going to be who they are, right? But yeah. it is, it is but so you, interesting to see that. Yeah, but you know what you raise? Um, you reminded me of another really important component to this process, which is being witnessed. Mm-hmm. Finding mm-hmm. unattached, benevolent witnesses to affirm um our action and so for instance in your situation i'm going to make it up i'll change it a little bit from what really happened but in in your situation if that couple that younger gay couple had turned around and witnessed you and your husband holding hands there might have been a moment of silent affirmation even if unexpressed verbally yep that then continued to affirm what we're doing i'm witnessing you younger gay couple you're witnessing us and we're all okay that again affirms my sense of resiliency, that it it's it, it assuages my nervous system, right. it it lowers my sense of social anxiety, and it's fundamentally an act of political resistance mm-hmm. in in U.S. society. But it also makes us realize that all of our desires are right. Everything about us as humans is right. None of it is wrong, and so that this natural expression of love is okay. And I am safe and cherished and adored. And if something does happen, I have the skills to meet the moment with whatever is required. That's beautiful. And it is about meeting that moment. And I don't sometimes think even, even as I'm sitting, sharing a lot of stuff here today on my own journey, I don't know that sometimes we step up and meet the moment. We're looking for somebody else to go make the moment happen for us and meet it for us and make it better for us and all that sort of stuff. Yet I have found that each time I'm like, take responsibility, you can make this happen. And I feel blessed that part of my journey has been becoming a coach and getting certified so that I can do some self-coaching even though it doesn't work half the time (laughs) because you really need somebody else doing this with you sometimes. But it's, it's amazing when you say, okay, I'm going to meet this moment because if I don't, then it's going to eat me alive. It's going to cause me more additional harm. I got to go meet with it and stand in that space of true vulnerability and anxiety and all that. So that again, you work that muscle. And then the next time it comes around, it won't be as big. It won't be as hard. And I, I find it gets easier. Uh, at least I've felt that it gets easier, but I also don't put as much value onto it anymore as I used to, yeah. you know, even in this current situation, there's some value to it, but I'm not letting it be like, Oh, it's going to consume me. I mean, yeah. it would consume me for weeks on end. You know, yeah. I'm like, okay, you're going to butt this in the head, which I did. And then I'm going to, you know, go at it a little bit differently. And then I, I'm going to say, okay, now it's rest, it's done. And however the other people choose to react, that's, going to be on them exactly. not on me exactly which is a hard thing to do like okay well now that's on them right that but- is called equanimity mm-hmm. you're now completely open to whatever the moment brings the juice has been drained through your practice yeah. you you have been you have experienced the sensations of fear and anxiety we'll continue with your example of arm on, around your husband's um, shoulder, you've sat with the the sensations, your nervous system has been calmed and assuaged, you feel more powerful and love and resilience and stepping into who you truly are, and allowing that energy to be shared in a divinely inspired way, and your world was okay. Um, so now you have this sense of equanimity, I'm open to whatever the moment brings. Sometimes what the moment will bring is homophobia. 
Sometimes even though you've practiced, shit happens and somebody will confront you. But like you said, you have so much resilience now around that one context. If something happens in that vein, that's on them. Mm-hmm. That's not a reflection of you, your relationship or who you are, because you've done the work to build that muscle so that you can resist those negative toxic messages and stand tall and true and take up space and who you really are. Yeah. And who you really are is the thing that I feel like is what I'm called to do each and every day. Exactly. I, I find that when I have a conversation like this with other gay men, it's like, but what if you just stepped up to who you're called to be? I know it's not easy to like let everybody else, what everybody else thinks, let that go. You just stepped up to who you're called to be. I don't think this podcast would even exist if I hadn't stepped up to, okay, this is who I feel like I'm being called to be right now in this moment. And then suddenly here I get to do this. And I do mean I get to do this. This isn't something I have to do. I get to do these podcasts and I just feel very blessed to be able to have that capacity for it. And yet, I know I'm following what I've been called to do. And I don't care if there's like one person that only listens to this. I feel like the messages we get to give here, Britt, are just part of us fulfilling our role on the planet. I agree. Simple. It's like connecting to source and divine inspiration and following the creative impulse and spark wherever it leads us, regardless of impact. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, let, the universe take care of the impact right but when we are the hollow reed and connect to source and allow it to flow through us nothing but good can happen anything new coming up on your world i mean i know you got the book out you got you write blogs daily i I follow those a lot these days um of course now that you've been a guest it's like okay done with him not gonna follow (laughs) (laughs) but uh anything new you're working on man yeah, I've got a sequel to the book I'm working on, nice. um, and I'm done with the writing process. I, I'm in the long um, slog of editing, oh, which isn't for that me, fun. that's the hard part, yep. um, but it's going really well. I'm really proud of it, really excited by it, and it is called A Gay Man's Guide to Love, whereas mm. the first book is called A Gay Man's Guide to Life. Life. This is a deep dive on love and sex and relationships and all of the um, cultural norms and context and adversity and heroism that we've experienced and how we can manifest more love in our lives, whether it's platonic, um, long-lasting friendships or highly charged rela- uh, sexual relationships and romances, everything in between. So I'm really excited about That's it. Awesome, Hopefully it'll man. be out in the next year. Cool. Cool. I, I feel your pain. I'm editing book number two right now. And it, this has been a labor of love. This one started like literally February before COVID exploded, we were mm-hmm. on a cruise ship and I was outlining the book and everything. I'm like, cool, this would be great. And then I thought, okay, COVID, well, I guess I'll get this book done. And I'm still, uh, I finally got done writing it last Christmas. And then now I'm going back through it because, you know, as a writer, it's like, well, wait, this part that I did a year and a half ago doesn't quite sound like this part I did just a few weeks ago, right? So yes, I'm in the slog. I'm like, uh-huh. oh my gosh, I yeah. hate this edit because I'm like, okay, well, Okay, now I've reset the tone. So yeah. let's make sure that's now consistent. So I'm under the gun, like yeah. it's done quickly so that at least the tone is consistent. Then I'll yeah. actually have somebody like go do the edit, edit piece of it. It's hard work. It's it hard is hard work. work. It is hard work. So if you wanted to leave the listeners with one more like insight that you yeah. feel like would help them, what would be something you'd like to leave as we wind up here, man? 
Yeah, it, it's going to sound cheesy, but I truly believe it. So um, I encourage everybody to set down their defense mechanisms. I, I really believe that we are all in this together and that if each of us took just a little less, we would all have so much more and that there is no greater wisdom than kindness. That's a biggie. I actually needed to hear that today. So uh, yeah. Well, I'm so glad we connected, man. I've really enjoyed this conversation. If any of you guys want to connect with Brit and get his book and everything, uh, it is Brit, B-R-I-T-T, east.com. And again, the book is A Gay Man's Guide to Life. I can't wait for the next one. Uh, I, I am looking forward to that one, too. So make sure you hit me up when that one's coming out. We'll come back and we'll talk all about love because that's messy, too. That's very <laughs> messy Ooh, that is a messy yeah. messy space you know <laughs> especially in this day and age where there's so many different ways to love yep. and um it, it's interesting to see how quickly that little pair can become uh unless you again are resilient and vulnerable and open and communicative and mm -hmm. I could go on and on. And on. I'll <laughs> shut the fuck up on that one. So, but anyway, so Britt, I so appreciate you, man. I really enjoyed this conversation. And again, guys, if you want to connect with Britt, it's BrittEast.com and grab his book, A Gay Man's Guide to Life. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. It was a blast.